Welcome to another episode of the Shaken and Stirred Show. I'm Nigel Barker in New York, in fact, Woodstock, New York, to be sure. And it is, you know, I'd like to say midsummer, but not feeling particularly midsummery, to be honest with you. It has been a very, very up and down summer in the Northeast, guys. And I don't know where you are in the world right now. I hope you are having a better time than we are. Although being in the Catskills is not without its uh, advantages. You know, if you if you follow me personally on social media, you'll see that I have been had encounters with snakes, poisonous snakes. I had a bear, a big 300 pound bear in my garden just yesterday. Um, the most extraordinary Jurassic size insects, enough to put every single summer guest of mine for wanting to come over, even for a cocktail. So trust me, it, it is, it's exciting upstate, if nothing else. For a city guy like me, born in London, lived in New York, now living upstate, it's all very exciting. Uh, and just to keep it exciting, we've got a very, very cool, cool guest for you today. Our guest today has a massive fangirl following since starring in the Disney film Motocrossed, not to mention as a football player in radio. And he's also appeared in a whole host of shows from 24 to 90210, and more recently on Nashville, where he recorded and performed six songs on the series. He's currently starring as Ryan Hudson on the CW's Nancy Drew, Please welcome actor and musician, Riley Smith. Mate, welcome to the Shaken and Stirred show. Thank you for having me, Nigel. It's good to what be a, here. What a pleasure, what a pleasure. Now, first of all, before we get into the drinks, where are you? Uh, I am currently in Vancouver, Canada. This is where we shoot uh, Nancy Drew. They shoot, they call it Hollywood North. They shoot like 70 shows and movies up here. Uh, so it's a, it's a busy city for the industry. And uh, yeah, I used to go back and forth between LA and Vancouver. And then when the uh, COVID shut down the borders and I couldn't go back and forth, I wanted to be with my family. So uh, we sold everything in LA, put everything on a semi, shipped it up here and moved up here full time. So we're, we're going on two years next month. So you actually live there, live there now? I do, yeah, we made it home while we can. Uh, obviously, we're not Canadian, so when the show ends, we're gonna have to go back to America. Um, but we love it up here. It's kind of like you and the Catskills, you know. It's a it's a nice departure from the big city. Um, although this is a big city, it feels so earthy. Uh, it's got an amazing outdoor, uh, especially for raising a, a child. There's so many parks and and nature trails and splash pads. Uh, we just need it to stop raining. When it stops raining, it's perfect. Trust me, I know. Being English as well, that's, uh, you know, you, uh, rain becomes a part of the everyday. But listen, rain can also be really beautiful and it makes for a very, very green environment. So you've yeah. got all of that and the perfect conditions uh, for, for, you know, for, for growing a perfect garden. Now, let's get on to your drink because you just lifted up something rather yeah. bright, delicious looking. What are you drinking right there? Uh, this is my favorite whiskey. It's a, a rye. It's called Templeton Rye. Um, it's from my home state of Iowa. Iowa. That's right. Iowa. It's uh, I, I, I shouldn't say I've been drinking this for 20 years, but I have <laughs> probably before I could drink. Um, and, and, you know, in the last like 10, 15 years, it's become a real hip, cool drink. It's harder to get. It's more expensive. Uh, I couldn't find it in Canada forever. So I used to have to smuggle it over the border. But um, now they actually sell it here. And so I scooped up one yesterday just for, for today. It's very dark in color. Is it well, what I did was I put in a couple of these uh, cold rocks. You know, the, uh, and they're, sure. they're black. I could fish one out for you. If, oh, I see. So you're one of those guys that likes the actual, you don't want to water down your drink, but you want to keep it cold. 
So yeah. you chuck in the rocks. That's interesting. I've I've got those as well. Never really been a big fan for some reason. It just looks weird. I agree with you. I don't typically use them. I like to water it down a bit when the when the ice melts, but I wanted to be fancy for you. So I pulled out the nice rocks. <laughs> I like it. You like to be fancy just for me. <laughs> Fantastic. First of all, big fan of Iowan whiskey and rye in general i've actually got one in front of me here a cedar ridge oh, from iowa it's a bourbon it's one of my favorite whiskeys i love that fantastic whiskey um which and i've got several um but i thought i would do something to kind of align with you you went local so i went local and i got myself a, a catskill straight rye here which as you can see there is not much left in the bottle so yeah. clearly is quite popular over here in the barker household and i decided to make myself a manhattan um, so, you know, for all of you out there, rye Manhattan versus a bourbon Manhattan is a little different, you know, bourbon versus rye, bourbon is sweeter, it's basically made with corn, 51% corn, um, versus rye, right, which is what makes the difference, and a rye is a, is a whiskey, they're both whiskeys, um, but rye being spicier, um, and, and, and having a completely different flavor profile, so actually in a, in, in, in a Manhattan, um, makes a really sort of great version of this with Angostura bitters and vermouth, so super good. Great to have you on the show. Cheers. I look forward Cheers, to Daniel. having a sip of this drink. Mm. Absolutely delicious. I don't do a lot of bourbon this time of year, funnily enough. I am much more drink, it, right? It's a fabulous winter drink, although on a rainy day like it is today in the Catskills. And as you mentioned, the clouds, it is the perfect way. So, guys, make yourself a delicious uh, bourbon, rye, whiskey manhattan there's so many different variations to what you can do with a good whiskey uh, other than drink it just straight and by the way i love it just actually warm i think being english having it straight out of the bottle at room temperature for me is probably my my go-to way of doing this now we mentioned you you're into you do all kinds of things right you you sing you act um, you've been on numerous shows. You're on a big show right now and on the CW, which is the same network that Top Model, my show, was on for 18 seasons. Um, so very familiar with the CW, although we were pre-Canada times. So, <laughs> oh, and, and by the way, we have uh, six degrees of separation because right before um, they called about doing this with you, I was in Seattle on a family vacation. This is like a month ago. And I went down early in the morning to get a coffee. The elevator doors open and there's Miss J standing there. And I'm like, I know that person. I know, that. how do I know? And then I'm like, oh, it's yeah, okay, top model. And the minute I showed uh, Ashley, she was like, yeah, that's Miss J. So we have something in common there. What happened just then? Well, I, I mentioned Miss J and then you were just, I'm out. <laughs> did I drop off? Was it, did, was it me? It's a cat skills. Yeah, it was. Anne-Marie, can you hear yeah. me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was, was you. That's, that's, yeah. that's never happened before. So I love it. You mentioned Miss J. And the moment you mentioned Miss J, I completely cut off the podcast. You see what happens, people? Um, Miss J, you're doing it once again. You've, you've basically, I don't know, brought on the spirit of Miss J, who, by the <laughs> way, likes to DM me the most outrageous post you've ever seen on a weekly basis. So he's in my DMs, slipping into my DMs constantly. So when you mentioned his name, clearly my computer got, um, you know, freaked <laughs> out. It was like, oh, no, here comes something crazy. I didn't mean to bring <laughs> anything bad up. 
Nothing bad at all. He was one of my very first guests on this show. Uh, we are very old friends. How fantastic. So wait a second. Let's go back to that moment. There he was. What happened when you saw him? Did he, did he, is he a big fan of your show? No, it was, it was, uh, it was like literally 630 in the morning and um, I didn't expect to see him. I don't think he expected to see me. And we just kind of smiled and nodded like, I think we might know each other. You know how it is. You, you see someone else in the industry and you don't know each other, but you feel like you should. So it's one of those, uh, yeah, hey, I, I think we know each other nods. And that was it. Uh, I'm not good until I get coffee. So I, I, I shouldn't have had a conversation anyway. I was going to say, you know, he should have taught you how to walk. I mean, you know, yeah. if, you, if you had given, given him a moment, he would have given you that perfect runway walk. Now, you were a model, right? Wow. Were you not? Let's yeah, not like, not like you, not like Miss J. I used modeling as an avenue to get out of Iowa to kind of get the career jump started. Um, it was, you know, one of those things where this doesn't happen anymore. But in the in the '90s, people would be discovered by model scouts at places like the mall. I was uh, I was picking up my tuxedo for prom, and a scout who had found a number of big models approached me and. Uh, you know, it's the tale as old as time with, with that generation. Um, and that kind of got me going in the industry. And, and for me, it was a way to get to New York City and, and get into acting classes and kind of move over to acting. But, you know, I'm, I'm not quite six foot and it wasn't ever going to go really far. But I had some, I had, you know, I did a Tommy Hilfiger campaign and, and uh, I had a, a billboard in Times Square for a Paco Rabanne ad. And that was cool. But uh, I always wanted to act. I did acting in uh, theater in high school. Uh, I did a, a lot of musical theater. I love singing. So for me, it was, a, it was just a nice way to get out of Iowa, get to the big city and, and catapult the career. Which, by the way, I think for most people out there, I think that is what I think modeling is for, is for most people, certainly in male models. I think guys specifically, it's not really a career career. You know, it's a sort of a, a fun sabbatical thing you do between after high school, between college or to make some money or to, for your point, there's a lot of people in entertainment who, for obvious reasons, have the look, uh, certainly the look of the moment and are able to do a bit of modeling and often, you know, doing commercials within the modeling industry. So you do get that acting crossover, you know. That's right. My, my very first job was a Wendy's 99 cent chicken nugget commercial. I got it within like three <laughs> months of being in New York. And I thought I was I thought I was a superstar at that point. I was so excited. The highlight of your career. So, I mean, you, let's go back to Iowa. Let's go back to your child, because I mean, I, I want to get into all your, everything you're doing from an acting perspective and all the rest of it. But take us back a bit, because you sort of said yourself, you wanted to try and get out and, and see the world and what have you and get into acting. But you, you know, I also know that you come from a, a family that your father is a successful, uh, what's the horse. right word from equestrian? Is that what, how yeah, you he's, describe he's it? He's a successful uh, horse trainer, um, breeder that we, we stood stallions that, that we bred um, and uh, also a judge for, for the American Quarter Horse Association. So that was really, you know, when I got approached by the um, model scout, it was my end of my senior year of high school. And so you're at that weird place in your life where am I going to go to you know, college? And I had some opportunities to possibly play basketball at some small colleges. And I loved basketball. But again, being just under six foot, that wasn't going to go very far either. And uh, and then I thought horses was always something that I would end up doing. You know, if, if your dad's Tiger Woods, you're probably going to be a golfer. 
Um, and, and I just thought I would end up being in the horse business, but this came along at the exact right time where I was, you know, in a transitional for the first time in my life, a transitional phase. And I thought, let's give it a shot, see what happens. Uh, give me the summer. And, and then, you know, my parents gave me the summer and I just never came back. Yeah, but you traveled quite a bit, didn't you, as a uh, working with your father, um, yeah. in the horse business itself. And you, were. Uh, uh, and, and how is that? In what capacity do you travel the world in, with horses? Because I've always sort of shocked as horses traveling at all because they're such a big animal. But the, yeah. you do load them onto planes even, don't you? Oh, know? yeah. We would put them on cargo planes and ship them to – my dad would sell them to Brazil, to Italy. Um, so when I was young, I got to have some amazing life experiences that most people I was growing up with didn't understand. Um, we would put the horses in the cargo plane, fly to a foreign country, deliver them, and then make a family vacation out of it. Uh, and then there was um, what we call horse shows for the American Quarter Horse Association, where you would, you know, they were in the summertime, especially every weekend. So uh, we would load them up on a, a six horse trailer. There'd be six of them in there. And uh, we off we'd go across the country to a different city and uh, you'd spend three, four days at a horse show and then come home for a few and then on to the next one. And, and every time you're showing, you're trying to accumulate points that lead up to qualifying for the world championship show. Uh, if you win enough uh, regional events, then you can go to the, the world championship show and compete. And, and that was the ultimate goal. Uh, and so that really consumed, um, you know, probably from, well, I did it my whole life. I, I was getting thrown off of horses and breaking bones before I could barely walk. But um, I got really into it competitively when I was about 14, 15. And then I did that up until I started acting. There's got to be there's got to be some good movie in there all about the horse business, the horse training business and, tra and sending them all over the world. Trust me. And there's some characters in that business, you know, just like in horse racing or in any business, you get some real good characters. I've, I've tried to write some cliff notes for a movie. Uh, there's definitely a few avenues I was thinking about taking. Um, so that may be some, some time in the works when I get time. You know, it's funny because when it comes to horses and movies, my own family, myself included, and my mother actually both have two st funny stories about sort of what not to do um, when you when it comes to horses and movies for my mother's was the first one she was um cast as the stunt woman um in the bridge over the river kwai um a classic movie um and she was the stunt double for gina lord of brigida uh, who was the lead actress in that movie and there's a scene where she has to ride a horse and my mother was said that she could ride when although she could she was not a very good rider yeah. and she was thrown from the horse and um, broke her coccyx oh, wow. um, which is the little bone in the back in your in, the, in your lower back for everyone out there it's that little sort of tailbone um, and um, not something that is crucial crucial as in she was able to get up and walk afterwards but but was in a lot of pain and was in pain nagging for a long time nagging for a long time in fact pretty much all her life i think is she's she never really got it sorted out and so that wasn't a good thing that's an interesting sort of horse story right there but my own was the fact that as a model going back to that moment i was asked um if i could ride a horse for a uh, commercial Shoot. TV yeah. commercial shoot of which I was uh, I answered as I did for almost everything. Oh, yes, of course, I could. That's fine. I could do that because I had been on horses before. Little yeah. did I know that it was 
a scene where it was again for a fragrance. Um, you mentioned, you know, your 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 what was it your Dracon Noir or Paco Rabanne? You mentioned Paco Rabanne, yeah. Paco Rabanne. So it was something similar, but in in Greece, where I had to get on a horse bareback, so no saddle, and I'd never done that before, and I was only wearing a loincloth. <laughs> <laughs> So you can only imagine people when bareback on, wearing a loincloth and I wanted to be trotting, if not galloping through the scene. And I, I, I could also not walk for several days. <laughs> or talk. Walk or talk, except an incredibly high pitched uh, voice, oh, which, um, you know, luckily it was a non-speaking role. Um, so um, that was fine. So, yeah, be careful, people, what you do. When you... <laughs> well, you're right about that, because um, I always tell people don't lie. Uh, about something that you say you can do because what's the best case scenario is you get the job and then you have to do it. And uh, the Paco one I did was a skateboarding. They had the guy skateboarding. And so they asked, can you skateboard? Like you, I said, yeah, yeah, of course. Well, I couldn't skateboard at all. And I must have fallen a million times. It got to the point where they had people hold each side of the skateboard when I was supposed to be doing one of the, I don't even know what they're called, but where you go down the you go down like a, a thing on the like side. A bar. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so they had to hold it on each side and then let go and run. And I just, and then I'd fall. Uh, and then they see, you know, they took out the people holding it and it became way more work for everyone. So I learned then not to lie um, about it. But that's the thing with horses. For me, with acting, so many jobs came about because I had the experience with horses and most people don't. Um, and, and horses is worse than skateboarding you can't lie about saying that you can do it because you can get really hurt if you don't know what you're doing no no 100 percent. so did you get cast then for a lot of sort of horse i did of... yeah for a while i did um i got to do an episode of this cbs show called ghost whisperer with jennifer love hewitt that was on forever but they did a special ghost um a headless horseman episode i got to play the headless horseman which was a lot of fun and i got to ride without a head had to see through a little hole in the chest it was it was tricky um, I did a, a movie with Wesley Snipes in Namibia, Africa, right. uh, where we got to, to just fly through the, the Namibian dunes uh, on, on horseback. That was crazy. Um, I did a Western for Nicholas Sparks called um, Deliverance Creek, where it was an old Western. Uh, so I've done, yeah, I've done multiple jobs playing a cowboy or, a, uh, you know, a horse rider. And, and I, I love that because it takes me back to, to who I, you know, who I was. What was it like working with Wesley Snipes? Uh, Wes is great. Wes is a, he, he's a really, really sweet guy. He took me under his wing and uh, treated me so well. Um, you know, especially when I was younger, I'd get these opportunities with big actors, um, with radio, Cuba Gooding and Ed Harris, or, you know, Wesley Snipes. and Oscar-winning actors, no less. Yeah, yeah. And I would be in my early 20s, and I was just getting, you know, in my first 10 years of my career, and... So it always took me a while to get over being in awe or realizing that I was in these moments. I always was looking at it almost from a bird's eye view. Like, that's not me. I'm just, you know, I was fanning out. And it took me a long time to get comfortable with like, hey, you're here. You're in this scene. This is where you belong. You know, uh, that took me a while. But, um, but I learned a lot, you know, by watching and, and listening and, and just keeping, you know, keeping track of what they were doing. And actually, that's a good point. I mean, I think, you know, it's always great people can have some takeaway from, you know, listening to someone like you in this situation. And I think that's probably everyone's biggest fear, isn't it? When they do anything, 
is imposter syndrome or you know should they be there um or do they deserve to be there what i mean you know other than just plain experience what was it what was the turning point for you when you're like actually you know yeah i'm I, I'm, I'm impressed with the fact that i'm here with these guys but i'm here to do a job and how, how do you focus how, how do you prepare yourself for that kind of moment oh i mean that's a it's a big question that uh has a lot of different answers i mean you know, I think time uh, and 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 uh, just repetition, getting these opportunities over and over again. Um, I see a lot now that that uh, people don't always respect where they're at and and who they're with, and and so they're not getting to take it all in. You know, they're not soaking up what the other person has to offer. And I think that was for me one of the biggest things that I, I always just tried to watch and learn. I never tried to think that I was, you know, I never tried to overcompensate by, you know, thinking like, oh, I'm going to overcompensate to be on this level. I realized I wasn't on that level and I wasn't going to pretend that I was. And so I, I didn't mind always being in awe of, you know, the, the, the big stars because they are there for a reason. And that's how you learn, you know, uh, that's how you learn. Um, so I, you know, I'm a big advocate of learning on the job and especially learning from the best. Yeah, no, no, for sure. Without a doubt. I mean, it, it get, must get to a point, though, now where how long have you been doing it? I mean, it's been years and years. No? Uh, 25 years now. Right. I can't I can't believe it, honestly, because, as you know, you don't, you never feel that old. You don't feel like you I feel like I'm still getting started. I don't it's not that I don't feel like I'm where I'm supposed to be. I just I know I've got so much more to go. And so to think that I've been doing it 25 years, then that makes me feel old. <laughs> But, I mean, you know, 25 years is a good innings already. And it's, but I think, you know, someone like yourself, you're sort of a timeless kind of look, actor, person. You know, I've, I've, you've, got, you've got many different strings to your bow as well. So it's kind of like there's a lot of ways they can, you, people can go with you. And you sing, you are, you're a musician as well. You know, yeah. so there's a, it's a whole nother. And that's another kind of career you sort of had, right, with the life of Riley, which, by the way, is a great name. And... I have been, it's a very English expression. And I think, well, Irish expression, I should rather. It's like, oh, the life of Riley. Yep. You know, living the life of Riley, right? And that's, you know, living the life. Um, yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. Go back to your band and, and that moment, because your worlds seem to have sort of all come together. When you look at your career, it's like you've managed to do your songs with Nashville and, you know, bring in your singing career and, you know, your acting yeah. and you know, you know, horse riding. It all comes together. It's funny because I was watching something the other day and they were talking about navigating a career, making the right choices to get you where you want to go. And I thought about that and I thought, as much, it sounds great in theory, but as much as we want to control our careers, we're so out of control. And, and so much of it's up to fate, whatever you believe in, timing. Um, and you can obviously make choices. And especially if you're lucky enough to make choices, uh, then you know, it, but your career just kind of takes you where you're going to go. And I'm, I'm, I'm the perfect example of that. I, it's like, I just kept walking through doors, a lot of doors closed in my life. Uh, you know, I'd be lying if I said that I didn't lose more than I won, but I just kept moving forward and following the doors that did open. And sometimes the horse, horse industry got me some of those jobs. And then then there was the music that, uh, you know, Nashville, the show came about in 2015, I think it was. And, and I had been playing in a band in LA for about a decade at that point, just for fun, because I love music. 
And uh, so it uh, part came about that you had to have musical experience and, uh, and, and a voice and, and, and then it worked. And that was just the right time, the right place. And then that opened up so many more doors in Nashville for a, a record label and releasing music on, on my own under, under my name. Um, and then tours and things like that. And so, you know, I never ever dreamed that that was gonna come. Uh, but it, it, you never know what's, what's around the corner. And, you, you know, sometimes there's been things that I really wished I would have gotten, but I wasn't available at the time because I was on something else. And so then I say to myself, well, that, that was meant to be, you know, that role wasn't for me for whatever reason. And where I am now is where I'm supposed to be. I always say that, uh, you know, the show uh, Price is Right, and they've got the Plinko, the Plinko board. I hosted I, the Price is Right. Yes. So I've been telling people my whole life that our careers are somewhat like the Plinko game. where You start at the top and every move takes you to where you're at and you don't know where the next move is going to take you. But somehow you're going to end up at the bottom of one of these one of these prices. And then that's, you know, to see. So it's funny when you when you try to take too much control of your career and navigate it, uh, you don't really know until you until you're on the other end of it. And you look back, I, I look back the last 25 years and it's like how I ended up here. You know, I, it's, it's actually a funny story in itself because I had done so many pilots that it was laughable with my friends, uh, uh, failed pilots, I should say. Um, I think George Clooney had a record of like 12 failed pilots. I it was up to 14 failed TV shows. And uh, it got to be to the point where it was laughable because uh, I, that show wouldn't get picked up. And then the network who I did the pilot for would put me on another show in the meantime. And then pilot season would come around. I'd do another pilot. And those are hard to get in themselves. But right. I got to the point where I was getting those consistently. They just weren't getting picked up. And, and there were so many that should have gotten picked up. There was no excuse why they didn't. And it was unbelievable. But they didn't. And so there you are. But... Uh, then I finally got on a streak where I was getting shows picked up, but then they'd only go one season. And then people would say, why did that show only go one season? It should have went forever. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know, but it wasn't until uh, we found out that my wife was pregnant with our, our daughter. Uh, this was uh, three, three and a half years ago. And um, I called my agents and I said, I, I need a, I need a show, a show that's going to last like one that's really going to go. I'm having a family now. And so we got to get something past one year. And they said, we know the show, we're gonna make some calls and uh, hopefully this all works out. And they called me back the next day and they said, there's a show called Nancy Drew. This show is gonna go a long time. We know it, it's a great show, great, great pedigree, obviously the, the, the title, um, the, the people behind it. They had a, already a great cast assembled. And uh, they said, if you, know, if you wanna get on a show that's gonna go a long time, this is it. Now, that sh this show could have only went one season or not even gotten picked up, but here we are going into season four, um, the longest running show I've been on. And it's just funny to me, again, when you, when you get on the other side of it, you step out of yourself and I look at what finally got me this and it was making a choice for something other than myself, making a choice for my family. And all these years, 20 years, I had made so many choices for myself, thinking that I'm navigating my career. When in reality, sometimes you got to let go, make choices for other things. And then that's when you really thrive. 
moral of the story, people, is you got to tell your agent way earlier that you've got. <laughs> I should have told him in '99. Listen, I, mean, I got four kids. We got to exactly. get a show. <laughs> I mean, that, whatever Elsie might be saying, you know what I mean. Uh, I think that's where the moral of the story is, right there. And, and I got you on that one because you know I with Top Model, as I mentioned at the beginning, you know I was on the show for for 17 seasons. Then I went came back and did another season later on, or another episode in, in another season, but. You know, being on a show for a long time, I same way. I had my, both my children during the filming of that show, and you know, and I think it. You know, they were bought, they were all. I used to bring my kids along as we did the show. No matter where we were in the world, my kids would be in the caravan, and I got my wife the job of being my groomer and being the groomer for all the guests on Beautiful. the show. So you keep them all so, with you. So, so so so, and she wasn't even a makeup artist, so she became one. <laughs> She learned how to become one. You Even know, your face, you don't have to do a whole lot. I'm okay. a guy. I'm like, I'm like, what else are you going to do to me? Just put some powder on and I'm good to go. Right. And she's like, sure, I can do this. And so she learned and she learned how to become a makeup artist without any formal training whatsoever and went on to do people like Hugh Jackman and, you know, right. so Josh Brolin and a whole bunch of different people um, as, a, as a makeup artist and got an agent in the whole nine yards. So it, it became a thing without That's any training awesome. but because she had done top model. But the point being is that I brought my family along with me. And, and it changed the dynamic. And I think that you know, as other judges came and left who were fired from the show and what have you, and I remained, I think partly because the weight of the fact that my entire family was involved in the show and, and everyone felt responsible, I, I think that <laughs> saved my job. Yeah. <laughs> so I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, there's something about living for, for other things, you know, that's, that's it, you know, and uh and when you step outside of yourself and do it for, for other reasons, maybe that's it. But yeah, I do think that it's, it's navigating a career. You really can't understand it until you, until you are 20 years into it and you're looking back and you're saying, this is how I got here, you know? No, hundred percent. Now going back to your music for a moment, because I've been looking at your music videos and, uh, and what have you, you're very, you're a great singer, right? You really yeah. are really talented. And, and I, and you look very, very at home behind the mic and doing your thing like that for me. I mean, I, I see you as the actor and I, and you're a great actor, but when I'm watching you sing, I, 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 I was just, I, I was like, wow, he's really brilliant. I'm like, I haven't, I'm surprised I haven't seen more of you in that. Is that your, your happy, happy place? Or is that, I mean, do you, what's the difference as far as that performance? What is that like when you, because that's kind of like being on the stage with, with an audience versus behind a camera and you're acting to no one really other than yeah. each other and a camera. It's a very different thing. It's both performing, but they're completely different. Do you like that audience? And do you do Broadway? Do you do acting on a stage? I haven't done, I haven't done theater since high school. Um, it's, I should. And it's not that, uh, I haven't wanted to, a lot of it's timing, you know, it takes up a lot of time and, and I've, and it doesn't pay a lot. And so for the most of my career, I've, I've followed the, you know, the, the, the I don't want to say the paycheck, but you know, I've, I've, I've stuck with television and film because it's kept me busy and it pays. Don't worry, me. We've had Frank Grillo on this podcast and, he oh, yeah. a, and that's his, that's basically his mantra. He's like, I'm following the paycheck. Hey, I did, a paycheck. Film, I did a film. One of the, one of the 14 failed pilots was with Frank Grillo. So it's another the wonder it flopped frank you heard me come and get yeah. me yeah it was frank it's frank's fault uh no frank's amazing but yeah i would love to do theater to answer your question about the stage 
It's awesome. I love being on stage. I love uh, getting the interaction from the crowd. It's obviously for me a little bit nerve wracking because I I started late later in life with playing on stage. So I had to learn as I went. I made a lot of mistakes. My bandmates who are now like my best friends, uh, they, they kind of helped me along, you know, they kind of walked me through it. But um, I just learned by failing over and over again on stage. But but I do love that interaction. Um, it's great. But there is. What, what do you mean? What do you mean by failing? What what, what in what capacity? Oh Some funny stories. So you know, there's been times where uh, I used a capo on my guitar. It changes the tune of the guitar. You know, that moves it from steps. Uh, uh, one time I played a whole song with a capo in the wrong place. Didn't even hear it or know. You got to learn on stage how to hear yourself through the monitors because you you know when you're at a show. Everything sounds great. When you're on stage, all you hear is banging and clanging. You can barely hear yourself at all. And if you move away from the monitor, if the monitor is broken or crappy, you can't really hear yourself sing. So you're just kind of shooting for the stars. So I, I, I had to learn all that stuff on the fly. And, mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, I made all kinds of, all kinds of mistakes. Um, one time I kicked my drink over and it went all over my my guitar board and then my guitars went out and then my mic went out and I didn't realize that for like half a song and everyone's like we can't hear you I'm like you love me no we can't hear you uh, so you know I, I just I, I made a lot of mistakes but uh, it I learned from those mistakes and I got better and better uh, and I think going on Nashville the show really uh, that was like being thrown in the deep end. Those guys are uh, so professional and everything moves so fast there. So I'd show up, let's see, um, the, the first week I was in Nashville for the show, the day I landed, I went and recorded my first song. Two days later, I was playing the Grand Old Opry on a duet with Connie Britton. And I didn't even have, to, I was like, what in that, where am I? Like, how did this happen? Um, and so, you know, and then within two more days, I'm recording another song, doing uh, choreographing that and then recording that on, on the show. How many and songs so did you do for Nashville in the end? I did six songs for the show. And then and then while I was working, I started making connections with writers in town because every writer and back then, every writer wanted to get a song on the show. It was a big show to get a song on. Sure. So everybody wanted to work with the actors on the show to try to, you know, have an end with that. So. So I had the opportunity to write with a lot of people that I normally wouldn't have been able to write with. You know, if I just showed up in Nashville on my own, they would have laughed at me. But because I was on the show, they took my call and they set up an appointment. So I got to write with really great writers and I use those for my, my own personal uh, album. And, and so every day I wasn't working, I was writing. And then every day I wasn't writing, I was recording. And uh, then I started doing music videos because I love the visual uh, with the audio. And so I would do the, the visuals in LA and we'd do the recording of the tracks in Nashville. Um, but it was a full-time, it was a full-time job. I just immersed myself in it. I wanted to take a full advantage of that opportunity. And I feel like I did. So, um, and, and I kept doing it. Even when the show ended, I, I, I continued to play music. It wasn't up until um, Shiloh was born, uh, my baby girl. And, and I just, uh, I just kind of traded in the guitar for, for a little girl. And I decided, you know, the, you've seen the, the videos and memes on Instagram. You, you have four years with your child before they are in school and, and kind of grown up and your kids are a little older. So you understand. Uh, and I trust me, I have a 13 year old daughter. And, oh, God. Uh, Can't imagine. 
16 year old son yeah. you know and you know my your 13 year old daughter she went over to a friend's house last night and today we were meant to pick her up at 12 and then she's like can i want to stay a little bit longer and we said that that happened and then she was like oh i want to go with a movie and, blah, blah, blah. and actually i had to end up saying no you can't go to the movie because i want to see you and and, and, it, and it's you know and you realize you know looking at my son who's 16 and he's got, got his driver's permit and you know and he's off with friends and doing you know various different camps and tours and he's gone most of the summer and uh, you know you suddenly realize wow my wife and i had a date night last night the two of us alone and we looked at one another and we're like so it's just you and i again <laughs> you know <laughs> and it's you know obviously we've still got a few more years but it happens fast you know yeah. Riley. so you know enjoy every every moment of it but i tell you what it's still it, it, i hate to say it but it it gets better and better and better and i say i hate to say it because i know how amazing it is when you're when they're young but the conversation and yeah. the friendship and and you know all, all of those parts i mean you know my my kids are big huggers as well and they like to when they see you they see me they like to give me a big hug and and hold me as i hold them and they're tall too my daughter's six foot tall and she's five and she's wow. only 13. um and my son is six four and he's 16. six four yeah so wow. they're, they're both two really tall kids so literally they hug me um i try to hug them as much as possible but they're hugging me um but it's it's an amazing thing you know it's it's, it's a blessing and i know look I, I follow you on instagram and everyone else should follow you too what's the name what is your instagram handle again i forget the top the exact just, name i think it's just riley smith i believe riley smith. Exactly. Yeah. I wasn't sure if it was the official. No, but it's just Riley Smith. Oh, maybe it is the official Riley Smith. You're right. Yeah. And there you go. You see, that's why I asked people. I even Thank even you. he did not know his own Instagram. Riley Smith. CW set it up for me years ago. I wasn't. I swore I wasn't going to get an Instagram page, and they said you have to. This was like 2016, and so they set me up with one. And I, I, I'm not as active as I want to be. I go in and out of it, but. Uh, I'm going to look you up right now. I'm just going to make sure of it for everybody out there. But um, yeah. it, it is, in fact, it, but you post a lot about, um, it's, sorry, that. so it is, it's Riley Smith official. That's it. Thank you. <laughs> Riley Smith official, everybody. I'm a terrible, terrible self-promoter. He's a terrible self-promoter, but he has yeah. 80 plus thousand followers and he does care about you. I promise. And, and I don't even know my own handle. No, but you know, I do a lot of stories. I like that they disappear and they don't stuck out there. And, and most of them are with Shiloh in some capacity um, or my dog, Finn. Um, uh, but, but yeah, I, going back to your, your, the, the child thing, I, I, I'm just trying to take full advantage of this time that I have with her while she's young and she's, she's growing so fast. And I know that it's not going to last forever. So I figured I could give the music a, a, a break for a couple of years, trade the guitar in for being dad. And then when she starts school, which she's starting preschool in the fall, we just had a meeting with the, the preschool here. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe that we're at this point. You probably remember that. But I figured once she starts preschool, then it's time to dive back into some of the things that I put up, put on the back burner for a minute. Now, I will never regret putting them on the back burner. But uh, I write in between when she's napping or uh, when we have a nanny, I'll, I'll lock myself in my little home studio. And I've got a lot of songs written that I'll then take to Nashville when I get time and then we'll re-record them and and I'll make another go at the, the music thing. But for right now, I, I I have the show that keeps me busy here, Nancy Drew. And then the rest of the time, I'm just enjoying being 
the full-time dad. I love Which, it. By, by the way, it's normally around this point that baby number two comes along. So just beware of that too. So, yeah. you know, there's, you can always press, you know, start all over again. It doesn't, yeah. have to, it doesn't have to, you know, you can just keep pressing start after, you know, and that's, and that's a good time. That's a good period of time. That's that's the difference between my two kids. You know, what, Is it four years? Three and a half years. So, a, yeah. 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 My sister and I are four and that worked out really nice. I loved it. Yeah, yeah, I'm four between my sister and I as well. So, you know, yeah, that's, that's a good one. Hey, no, you us, man. We got so many things in common. So many things in common. My God, look at that. We'll be drinking, so, drinking whiskey in the Catskills before you know it. You're welcome anytime. I look forward to that. I heard it's beautiful up there. Oh, it, it, it's it's gorgeous. It's yeah. really, it's why we moved up. I moved, I started checking out upstate New York 25 years ago, came to Woodstock originally, and then started checking all around the Hudson Valley and, you know, just fell in love with it. You know, the wildlife's amazing, but the whole place is great. How 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 far does it take you to get to, to like New York City, like downtown? It's two hours. Two hours on a train. Uh, two hours on a train. Uh, you can drive. I can often do it in an hour and 45 if yeah. I leave in the middle of the day. So if, you don't, if you're not stuck for going for, for something early in the morning and just want to go up for the evening, you, if you head out in the middle of the day, an hour and 45 and you're in the city. So it's really not bad at all. I love that. I've had a lot of, you know, most of my friends at my age are leaving LA because they either LA's gotten dirty and dangerous or they had kids and they want to, you know, get to a more family oriented place. But a lot of my friends are going to Connecticut. Um, and that, that seems a little bit appealing to me. It's like, you know, just outside of New York, but it's, it's, you know, in the country. It's a little bit more waspy, but if you like to ride horses, it's probably right up your street. Yeah. I, the funny thing is I haven't been in Connecticut forever, so I can't say we're going to move there, but I, I want to go visit and take another look at it with, with new, new eyes. Yeah, no, I'm sure you'd love it. Now, wait a second, going back to Shiloh, your, your daughter, now she appeared in Nancy Drew, did she not? She did. One of the proudest moments ever. And it, it came so organically. Uh, our, our creator and showrunners, uh, Melinda and Noga, they called me one day out of the blue and they said, we need to uh, have pictures of baby Nancy Drew and then uh, Nancy Drew's mother, um, Lucy. And uh, we were thinking, could we use uh, Shiloh's baby pictures? And I was like, absolutely, this would be amazing. And it helped me in the scene because I'm, it was the first time uh, without knowing much about the show, it's I didn't realize I was Nancy Drew's biological father for the first uh, half of the first season. And when I find out it's because I'm looking at the two pictures of the, uh, of her mother and her as, as uh, children, as babies. And then I realized they look like the same child and I'm like, they, they're related. That's my baby. And so I have it and it's, and it's Shiloh's baby pictures. And it just takes you, I mean, immediately I was, you know, uh, emotional, Wow. That. But it was very cool. Like Nancy Drew is such a epic character from from books and and TV. They've done a lot of TV shows about it, and then especially this one. So uh, for her to to be baby Nancy Drew within the first six months of her life was a pretty cool moment. Now, very, very if, if she never acts again, I'll be okay with that. But uh, I have a feeling it's in her blood. She seems to be. Uh, she seems to be a little entertainer, so she's probably going to follow. Well, I see she's quite artistic as well, which is, uh, yes. see, I, I noticed she's sticking stickers all over your face in some post, and yeah. uh, I, I've got literally the very same photo. Yeah. Um, 
from my daughter from that same age. That's why it's stuck in my mind because it's something which is, I saw it and I immediately was like, oh my goodness, I literally have the identical shot. It's so funny. It's, That's uh, awesome. Yeah, no, it is, it is awesome. Very, very fun. And listen, all you out there listening to two dads talk about <laughs> their daughters and, and all the rest of it, yeah, this is what life's about. You know, right, life, right. They came here for funny stories and now here we are talking about being dads. You know, that's what, that's what the world's about, though. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's what, you know, keeps everything interesting and different and what have you. But um, that artistic side to her, is that something that comes from you particularly, you think? No, you... no, her mom, her mom is a great artist as well. She's, um, she can paint and draw. She does all the stuff I can't do. Uh, the only thing I can draw is a horse. I can draw a horse really well. But um, but she she gets the the, the drawing from her mom. And she loves singing and, and just entertaining. You can tell she loves being around people. So I think she gets that from both of us. We were both talkers, which was kind of the reason we, we, we named her Shiloh. We call her Shy. And we thought it's going to be really cute because if she's a big talker, her name's Shy. That'll be funny. And if she's shy, it'll be cute. But she's a, she's a talker, man. Fantastic. I, I, you know, it's, 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 it's one of those things. Some, some kids, my son's quiet. And is reserved and actually is quite shy. Uh, and my daughter's the opposite. She's gregarious, out there, chatty. You know, wants to talk to everyone. Will go right. into an elevator with strangers and comment on someone's makeup um, in the room <laughs> in, in the elevator and say it looks beautiful. You know, and, and then they look great or something. And they'll be like, "What's this precocious child?" But um, but it's 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 a very sweet thing. It's a, it's a, it's a you know I think it's a talent to be able to do that. It's not easy. To, to break down those sorts of barriers you know it's easier to be quiet sometimes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so look you you, you created a song there's a, i want to go back to your music for one moment because yeah. you wrote a song called chocolate that mm -hmm. i i heard and first of all i love chocolate but second yeah. of all i love chicago and i spent a lot of time in chicago and it's so funny because i had heard and i know about the fact that there are times in Chicago when people say the city smells like Chicago. And I'd heard this from several yeah. people who I, who are friends of mine. And my connections to Chicago is because I have a furniture line and I have, have created and made it, manufactured it out of Chicago for years. And so I spent a lot of time going back and forth there, but I, my, I myself have never smelt it, but it's, I've heard this secret, this rumor. And then I yeah. was listening to your music and I heard this song called chocolate and I read, heard about it, read it and listened to it. And I'm like, I want to ask you about it because it's a thing, right? What, tell us about what this thing is and the song. It is. So there's a, there's a chocolate factory in downtown Chicago called Blommer's Chocolate. And um, it's been there for decades. And, uh, it, it, you know, it's funny. I grew up in Iowa, four hours um, west of Chicago. So I spent a lot of time in Chicago and never heard this rumor or smelled the chocolate either. But, um, but I, I had a, a beautiful apartment that I was renting while I was doing the show there called Proven Innocent. It was a Fox show with Kelsey Grammer. So mm -hmm. I was living there for a year and I, I had this 33rd floor apartment um, uh, right at uh, right on the on lake or on the river, on the, the river that runs through the city there. Um, right by the furniture mart. So maybe because right. of furniture, you might know where that is. But yeah, yeah, yeah. anyway, Blommers was right around the corner. And I had, had a writing session that weekend where I flew up two of my favorite writers from Nashville and we were locking ourselves in our apartment, my apartment. And, and uh, I thought this view overlooking the city of Chicago is going to give us a lot of inspiration and we're going to, we're going to come up with some great songs. 
but never did I think that it was going to be the other sense, which is smell, that was going to do it. So at the end of the first night of writing, I went out on the balcony to take a, to take a breather, and all of a sudden it, it, it smelled so sweet. I mean, it smelled like chocolate. And I walked inside and I said to my, my buddies, I was like, man, this city smells like chocolate tonight. And they were like, that's the song. And so we started writing it and it was, you know, kind of a, the idea was writing it for, um, for Ashley. Basically, I've traveled all over the, the world for, for what I do. I spent a lot of time on the road. We've made our relationship work in so many different cities. And uh, it wasn't until we got to Chicago where it just felt right. It felt like it was home. And so I kind of used the correlation between the, the smell of chocolate and sweet and, and, and the relationship that, uh, you know, the city smells like chocolate and, and this is where we're it's supposed great to be, you know. Um, but, it, but, you know, it was cool because I wanted to shoot a music video for the song. And so I wanted to do it there in Chicago, make it very authentic. And we ended up uh, shooting in this uh, this blues club there, um, so it was very authentic to the to the city. And uh, and then some of the some of the players that played in the blues club came and and played with me in the video. So we had real like Chicago blues players in it, and then they played on the track. Uh, so uh, it it just became this authentic real song about this real thing that that is in Chicago, the secret that. When the wind blows just right across the city, the whole city smells like this Blommer's chocolate factory. It's amazing. Nothing like New York, which does not smell like chocolate. <laughs> it smells like the, the, the East River. Anything, anything other than chocolate. I'm like, my God, how nice is that? Um, crazy. Uh, look, you, you are, as you mentioned, you're from Iowa. Now, you, you go back to your hometown of Cedar Rapids and you you give back you you do a lot of giving back but you mentor young actors right and and uh, spend time with them so tell us about that because that's a really very cool thing to do and I've, I've done a little bit of mentorship myself with young photographers and things and it's an incredible thing to do but what what are you hoping people at home are, are hoping are going to get out of this specifically yeah well i've been doing it ever since i left iowa i've always gone back and tried to give back whether it was helping kids who just walked up to me at the grocery store and said, Hey, I want to act or I want to, you know, move to LA. Everybody wants to move to LA and be famous. And, you know, one of the first things I always try to mentor everyone is uh, if you're going to do this to be famous, do something else. Um, if you really love it and you could be broke and happy doing it, I'm more than happy to help you get to where you want to go. Um, so that, that's kind of the first thing I always try to, to teach the, the kids or, anyone um is that you know as you know this industry these industries that we're in um you, you have to love it because there's going to be a lot of ups and downs and it's not always going to be easy uh i think that in a lot of ways people in my hometown look at me and say oh if he did it so can i and i take that as a compliment in some ways i'm like whoa wait what are you saying about me <laughs> but in a lot of ways i take that as a compliment because i want people to feel uh you know i want people to feel that that, that if he made it, I can too. Um, but you have to know that it's uh, there's a lot of a lot of uh, luck and and timing and work and failure that goes into it. So when I go home, I've been involved in different uh, youth organizations, different acting schools, different uh, theater programs. I, I always go visit my old high school. Um, 
last time I, I was just, it's funny, the last time I was home this past year, uh, I went to visit my, my old high school and it used to be when I'd go through it, the kids would get really excited. Now the teachers get really excited. The kids have no clue. <laughs> That's when I realized, I'm like, oh man, I'm getting older now. The teachers are excited. The kids are like, who's that? But, um, but I'm always, you know, I'm always there for, for anybody, but especially the people from where I'm from. Because when I first started, one thing that's cool about Cedar Rapids uh, that a lot of people don't know is so many big actors um, and, and personalities have come from this small town. I think at one point uh, there was 130,000 people in Cedar Rapids. I think uh, there's probably more now, but we have uh, from that small little town, Elijah Wood, Ashton Kutcher, Ron Livingston from wow. Office Space and Band of Brothers, um, Michael Emerson from Persons of Interest and Lost, who won an Emmy, uh, Terry Farrell from Star Trek, uh, Joel West, who was a huge Calvin Klein model. Yeah. Um, so many, I mean, and I'm, I'm leaving out a ton of people, but this one little small town bred all these big actors and, and models. And, and it's like, people always ask, what's in the water there? Uh, because it's right on the Cedar River. And I was like, I'm gonna make a documentary called what's in the water and just try to figure out what the through line is because none of us came from one acting school or one person like everyone kind of found their own way but but what i remember is everybody helped everyone out so for instance ron livingston uh his mother was the the pastor at our church growing up and i'll never forget he would come home for christmas and everyone would freak out like that's ron livingston he's on the show townies at the time and uh and I'll never, when I, when I decided I was going to move to LA and, and be an actor, I walked right up to him and I was like, Ron, I'm, 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 I'm moving to, moving to LA. I want to be an actor. And he was like, okay, give me a call. And, and you know what I did? And he was there for me and, and I'll, yeah. I'll never forget that. And his brother, John, who's also an actor, but every, everyone was, everyone helped me get to where I needed to get. And so I, I always thought um, when I get that opportunity, I'm going to do the same for anyone. Um, and I've had so many, I've had a lot of kids come sleep on my couch for a week. I mean, I can't even tell you countless people from Iowa that have come out, slept on my couch for a week. I help them get started. I help them get a job. I help them, you know, because the one thing I tell every, every kid that wants to be an actor is the first thing you got to do is get a real job because you're not going to make money probably for a while acting. And if you want to, if you want to sustain this and have longevity, you have to be able to live in LA because LA will eat, eat you up if, you, if you're struggling sure. to prevent. So get yourself financially stable and then from there move forward. And so countless kids have come and stayed on my couch. I've gotten started. That's I've helped amazing. them jobs and, and get them going, get them agents, gotten, uh, uh, you know, Brandon Routh who played Superman. He's, he's from a few towns over and I'll never forget back in like 90, nine 98 he stood in my kitchen and i had a mutual friend who knew him through modeling and was like he wants to act and i'm like oh let me see if i can make some calls to some agencies and uh that worked out well for him <laughs> so you know yeah uh i love i love that i love seeing uh, a small town come up it seems like you could be an agent yourself maybe place. maybe someday you know wow what that's how amazing how incredibly generous and you know, we have a mutual friend called Chantal who um, helped yeah. connect this and brought this together. And she's also a fellow Iowan and she has nothing but, and I, I, I love her. I've known her for a while and she's helped me with, with a lot of my guests on my show. And, and she had, she probably had the nicest things to say about you than she's had about say about anybody. Um, so she's amazing. And she's helped me out a lot uh, with different publicity things. Uh, and again, it's just, you know, the right people come into your life and, and 
everything happens for a reason it's all timing what happens you know i think what, what goes around comes around people is is the at the end of the day you know if you if you believe in karma or not you know ultimately if you what you put out there into the world you know you've got to do the right thing and you're certainly living it riley um but let, mate before we let you go you've been very generous with your time we have something we call last orders on the shaken and stirred show which is some right. fun quick questions but um here we go if you could drink any cocktail from any movie or television show with a character from that show and you've been in a few of them what and who would it be oh god that is that's a huge question I mean, you know, I'm a big fan of Westerns, uh, big fan of like, Paul, like older actors, Paul Newman, uh, Cool yeah. Hand Luke, Luke would be a fun one. Uh, any Clint Eastwood in an old Western uh, saloon would be fun. Even uh, I love the movie Glenn, G uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Uh, yeah. you know, Jack, I have a drink with Jack Lemmon and, and Blake, Alec, Alec Baldwin's character. And of course, it would be a rye whiskey, right? Of course it would. Listen, I will have a drink with just about anybody because you never know where that conversation is going to go. <laughs> and there's the true actor right there. Um, who would play you in the movie of your life? Can I say me? <laughs> Nobody knows my story better than me, you know? So uh, you may. rather than try to, try to tell people uh, how to take it, let me just do it myself. You know, I, just, I, I, I need I, a younger I, version of me. I, I've asked that question a hundred and twenty six times and you're only the second person to say me who was number one um <laughs> it was uh, i think it was ryan bingham there's another actor i love ryan bingham is one of my favorite singers that guy is unbelievable oh my god yeah, and, yeah, and his, his his instagram is so great because he's always putting out you know these acoustic songs uh ryan bingham is amazing he's the man he's the man okay fantasy dinner party you can have three guests dead or alive who would they be I would go uh, Elvis, uh, which is topical right now because the new movie's coming out, but I'm I die hard in love with Elvis. Uh, so I would go Elvis. Um, I, I love DiCaprio. Um, I love his work. I think he'd be interesting, the stories he would have. Uh, Michael Jordan, he's a winner. And uh, I think that would be, that'd be a pretty cool table. That would be a very cool table. Yeah, it's a lot of different heights in that table. Yeah, but yeah it's, a, it's all winners, a good, you know, like all winners that. for sure. Okay, when you have a drink, is there a certain music you like to put on just to kind of set the tone? It depends it, what kind of tone I'm looking for. Um, you know, country music. If I'm feeling soulful, uh, Chris Stapleton. Uh, you know, like a Tennessee Tennessee whiskey uh, would be a great one uh I, I even but i i love like electro pop kind of stuff you know something with the boof 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 i love that if you're trying to get up and have fun like in the summertime um like empire of the sun this australian band i love that kind of stuff so uh, i'm all over the place i love that i like some electro pop myself okay yeah. and final question shaken or stirred i gotta say stirred uh, only time I would do shaking is in the summertime with a fruity, fruity drink, you know, but the shaking always kind of dilutes it and it changes the texture and uh, gets a little chunky. So if you're doing some sort of fruity summer drink, I think I could go shaking, but otherwise stirred for sure. And I wasn't even talking cocktails. Riley, <laughs> Riley Smith, a true stirrer. Hey, listen, um, it's gone. So we did our job. We did our job. Cheers, my friend. Cheers, my man. For coming on the Shaken and Stirred show. You can follow him at Riley Smith Official and uh, check him out on Nancy Drew. 
on the CW. Congratulations on your next season and good luck with it in Canada. And I look forward to having you a drink with you in person. Definitely. Look me up when you come to New York. Cheers. I will for sure, Nigel. Great to see you. All the best.